welcome to another edition of Topo Talk for the Prescott Valley Outdoor Summit. And today our special guest is Cody Lundeen. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So we got you talking September 30th at the Prescott Valley Outdoor Summit. You're going to be conducting three classes. We call them how-to clinics. You're going to be conducting modern survival skills, urban preparedness, and hands-on fire lighting. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. But I also want to get into a little bit about who you are first, give our, our listeners, uh, viewers, and also the attendees that might want to attend one of your classes, who you are, because there's a lot of new people in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, the community's grown a lot. You've been doing this for a long time. You were way ahead of the curve. We've got a few outfits out there that do preparedness programs and so forth, but you're one of the OG guys. You've been around a long time and you have a different approach and I want to get into that. So tell us a little bit about your background for those that don't know you. You got a huge following online. You've been on television. Um, who is Cody Lundine and how did you get into this? That's a dangerous question, Guy. You know, that's, <laughs> um, my name's Cody, obviously, and I started the Aboriginal Living Skills School right. in Prescott, Arizona in 1991. And my school, like you've kind of alluded to, I teach modern outdoor survival skills so what if guys out in the Jeep in the mountains and it breaks down in the Bradshaws, you're dealing with search and rescue, you're dealing with a short-term survival scenario. I also teach primitive living skills in case guy wants to learn how to make fire with sticks and kind of more what the Yavapai peoples would have been doing in this area, indigenous living skills. Right. And I teach urban preparedness with or without zombies. So grid down, we have a, a monsoon storm. All of a sudden the well doesn't work right because everything's on electric the toilet doesn't work, how do you deal with that stuff? So they're all three separate things that revolving that revolve self-reliance, but they're three separate subspecies of skills that I do in my school and that I'll be doing here at the, the gathering. It's not lost on me because we hear it in the news all the time, whether they're uh, hiking down in the Superstition Mountains um, or up here, there are rescues all the time whether it's because they get lost while hiking so they have poor navigation skills or they're poorly prepared, um, uh, injury or even death due to exposure. I'm really surprised about that. Um, usually in the summertime down in the valley where it's really hot. What it's because of media, there's more of this training. And I personally, I think it should be taught in schools. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I, I would think that fire lighting skills and um, how hydration works and how important it is and how quickly up here at altitude you can become hydrated, dehydrated, whether it's cold or hot. Um, what motivated you to start doing this? Because you're, you're different and you're the guy that doesn't wear shoes. I want to talk about that and, and the significance of that. But what, what got you into this? What motivates you to do this? Why? I've always been fascinated with with doing more with less, and am a big admirer of all indigenous peoples seeing what they could do with native right. landscape without the big box stores, right? Right. And what they could do to be self reliant, and that's key. So if you're not self reliant, you can put whatever word you want in front of reliant. Is it town reliant? Is it state government reliant? Right cry, scare, scream? Is it federal government reliant? So I think it's a part of our culture in, in, in the USA to be self-reliant. Both of my grandparents were in South Dakota and homesteaded. Literally, I have a photo of my grandparents' as kids in front of a sod home 
uh, you know, in the, in the South Dakota's prairies. So right. I grew up around people knowing how to do what they needed to do, which doesn't happen anymore. Nope. And knowing how to separate the needs from the wants, which doesn't happen anymore. Nope. And knowing how to have those skills for the welfare and benefit of their family and to be able to do something called help other people, which is rare if it happens anymore. Right. So my grandparents, if they were still around and knew what I did now for a living, for, as you said, a long time, would probably just laugh and go, yeah, Cody, you're teaching common sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the scary part of it, because you're right. The stuff that we're dealing with is foundational to human psychology and physiology on planet Earth. I don't give a damn if you're where you're, if you're in the mountains or the desert. How do you how does your body work and what does it need to to live and survive are foundational skills that are sorely lacking. And when people don't know how to take care of themselves, from where do I get my water to my food or whatever, and you multiply that by several hundreds of millions of people, right? you got a problem. Got a big problem. I think of a couple of different things off the top of my head. First is, because we just bought, we had to buy a truck, right? Um, I wanted to know where's the jack, you know, what's the system in place if I blow a tire? If I ask 10 people right now, do you know how to, change your tire, they go, no, I'm gonna call AAA, right? Then I'll ask, even my family, I go, where are you going? Oh, I gotta go down to Phoenix today. I go, you got a blanket, you got water, and maybe some protein bars? Cause that I-17, you can get stuck on that thing for hours mm -hmm. while they're expanding it. Really simple common sense, basic planning strategies to how to, we've, it seems like we've completely lost that. And you talked about needs versus wants. Today, our phones, we just go on Amazon, get whatever we want. Do we really need it? What do we really need? I, I go back to this, like, can you take care of yourself? I see stuff on news where people are lost hiking down in the valley in the Superstition Mountains or Camelback Mountain. We have stories all the time, people being airlifted, lost, or even perishing because of exposure. And they're just a few miles from a local Circle K, right? What happened? How did we get <laughs> to this place? And what's funny is I bet that guys like you and organizations like yours in your school um, probably got ridiculed a little bit at first. Really, even when you started, it's like, oh, we don't need that because nobody was doing it, right? You're one of the originals that is in this genre, if you will. Um, what was that like starting your school, your survival school and all that? That's a good question. And it's a intense question. Um, way back in a time that land forgot, right? There was this thing called a library. Right. With you Dewey probably, decimal system. It had this thing called a, you know, there were pieces of paper and you'd uh -huh. have to, you know, so I started my business researching at the library I, I love the Prescott Public Library. Oh, there you go. And I started with, uh, it was called a mailing list, but it was with this hand and a ballpoint pen writing on a piece of paper. Then there was this thing called an envelope and a brochure. And you had to lick the stamp, right? Yeah, you had to lick the stamp and put that on. Mm -hmm. And then I had flyers that I put around uh, all over downtown Prescott. It's old school stuff. Um, and nowadays you can be the expert um, and not be the expert and just lie through your teeth on social media and get a following. Right. So I'm, I'm, I, I did it the, the dumb way. I actually worked for it. 
and started very slow in Prescott, Arizona. Prescott's my home. It's where I started my school. Right. But it, it was very weird back then because no, this is, you know, no smart, smartphones, no phony survival experts on TV. And what I was doing was so radical at that point that um, I wasn't really shunned per se, but it was like, you know, you make fire with sticks. What do you, you know? So it was an interesting time, but I'm glad I have that foundation. I mean, I'm talking to someone who, who's in marketing. Right. And my marketing was all totally old school, right. right? There wasn't really, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any internet connection. I mean, 1991 was pretty primitive compared to what you and Wilson know now. Right. In, well, what Wilson knows, I just pretend I know I let him do it all. <laughs> but you guys are in the space age now with how to promote. That's your job right. is to use those tools. And that those really weren't available, especially to someone like myself, a single business entrepreneur back then. Well, much like you, we're trying to leverage the tools to teach people we're more solutions-based journalism. There's no gotcha moments. There's We don't cover drug arrests and fires. We're covering how-tos and events and all those things. And you talked about the indigenous folks um, and not only honoring those, but I, more of my mind goes is I wonder how much information we lost. How much did they really know? You're talking thousands, if not tens of thousands of years of acquiring knowledge. Then for lack of a better way of saying it, they got wiped out. Um, and with that was all that intellectual property. One of our podcasts called Chasing Mythos that we just started is really about getting those stories from people who are extremely experienced to record it, right? Put it into that digital Dewey Decibel system that we both know from the library, those little cards, so that other people can hear about it later before we lose that information. Mm -hmm. I always thought at a very young age, um, I never understood why we weren't getting oral histories from our, our seniors. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's the stories from World War II, that's why Band of Brothers and those shows were so popular. It was sort of a docu-series of what they experienced. And, um, how come we don't do that? So one of these podcasts that we're doing now, Chasing Mythos, is exactly that. And what you're kind of doing in a way is not only honoring that knowledge, but also sharing it uh, to show people how to be self-reliant. Because as you stated, these folks, the, our indigenous, the, the, the true original Americans, um, they were survivalists. And somehow through thousands of years, they passed down that knowledge to continue on, right? And now you're sharing a lot of those skills. Do you want, you want to talk a little bit about your school and what you do? Sure. Um, my Aboriginal Living Skills School, I, again, I do modern outdoor survival, primitive living skills. There's the word bushcrafting that's out there. We could define that later if we can define it. And urban preparedness. And so if you're going hardcore primitive skills, you know, I'm, I'm Swedish. Lundin is Swedish. So my Vi my Viking ancestors look like my I do now. My wife is 100% Swedish. Okay. Yeah. And my Viking ancestors, unfortunately, are probably killing your ancestors somewhere along. Because we were a cantankerous bunch that had big-ass metal swords, right? right? So sorry about that. They had goals, yeah. They had, <laughs> they had goals. <laughs> so you can, you can call it living archaeology, and you're right. A lot of the indigenous skills are being lost. Unfortunately, I've been hired by certain native tribes to teach their kids and adults wow. certain skills. And yeah, it's a way wow, and it's a bummer. And this isn't just North America. This is all over the world. 
And someone might say, well, who, who really cares? You know, we've got big box stores now. Mm. But what's bigger than that as far as human survival is, yeah, you're losing cultural stuff. You're losing the intellectual property, as you called it. You're also losing how to be self-reliant. Right. And it that affects that. everybody. Right. Well, so you said big box, right? And I don't know, but during the height of COVID, I hate to say it, the big box stores didn't have big inventory. So I go back to, well, we saw, we saw our logistics chain, supply chain start to get a little wonky. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was kind of a wake up call. I was like, well, maybe we need to rethink what is really stable. We're just right. a couple steps away from kind of a nightmare, whether it's the trucking issue or high, our logistics on our highway, um, how we get food. Our food is very centralized, right? Do we need to get back to decentralized you know, growing of our own food? Is that important? Or if the power does go out, how do we prepare and take care of ourselves? Well, I think sustainability and self-reliance is important. That's my overarching message. And what, another thing interesting with COVID-19, the pandemic, is you saw people's priorities. Yeah. Toilet paper <laughs> became really important for some reason. What I wipe my butt with is way, way, way low on what you need to survive in the backcountry, right? right? And as a side thing, I don't allow my students to have toilet paper to make them experience, okay, what is that rock really like? You know, and, and it's because it's, it's stressful for people who haven't done something. So you right. saw, you know, the initial hygiene thing with toilet paper. And later on, there was a bumper sales on hair dye and scissors because people were then getting into, I haven't cut my hair in six weeks. So you could see it. Uh, one news article did a, a pretty neat story about what the priorities were for an average American and how it started out with toilet paper. You would go to Costco, right? And you could buy the big bag of rice because I asked them because I'm interested in stuff like this. No returns on the rice. So you're not going to come to Costco or wherever and, and buy a big bag of rice and then when the, when the emergency is over in your head or otherwise, return this 50-pound sack. So they had a no-return policy on stuff like that. Right. But it was interesting to see people's priorities and how clueless most people were regarding dealing with an emergency scenario. Not that I know how to deal with a, a pandemic. I mean, a disease can take out anyone. It doesn't matter right. what your training is. My, what I'm talking about is watching people and how they act during and what they thought was a priority was very interesting for me personally. I think it gets into group dynamics behavior too, right? The, one of the products, if you will, of the pandemic was how these groups were reacting, which affected us, right? Whether they're rushing the stores for supplies, which would knock out inventory, um, overall behavior, people becoming more emotional. Is that something you deal with as well in some of your teachings is being a situational awareness, right? Being aware around you of your, the people, what are the group dynamics like? How's that gonna affect me and my family? Sure, I mean, the, the main product of COVID-19 and the pandemic was fear. Right. If you boil it all down and you could see it in people's faces and their eyes and what they That's how did. how they sell their drugs too, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but as far as fear, I mean, in any survival situation, when you're looking at your life on the line, you're going to be scared. I'm yeah. going to be scared. You're going to be scared. So the main P's that we talk about is the physics of heat loss and gain, hypohypothermia. You're talking, you're, you're calling it exposure, right? But it's hypo or hypothermia. We're in the mountains, our core's too cold. We're in the desert, our core's too warm. That kills a lot of people. The other thing I deal with a lot is physiology. 
what does it take for a human body to survive? If you go to a survival instructor who doesn't know basic physiology and doesn't have medical training, that's like going to a mechanic who doesn't understand how an engine runs. That's bad. Right. And the psychology of fear and how that plays on people in stress situations. So physiology, psychology, and the physics of heat loss and gain, thermoregulation or lack thereof, are the main things, whether it's a primitive skills thing, at least short term, modern survival, or urban preparedness that are must-know stuff. You right. must have a computer and, and, and communications for your job in media. You must have a survival instructor that understands human physiology and, and, and uh, psychology under stress and the physics of how the environment plays on a human body. That's mandatory. You're going to be talking about those things. You're, you're having three different how-to clinics, as they call them, at the Prescott Valley Outdoor Summit. Um, on September 30th. I know you're doing those in one day. And I'd like to talk about those in the next couple of episodes, if that's cool with you. I really appreciate you visiting with us today. So be looking for the next uh, episode with Cody Lundin on um, his classes as he'll be conducting at the Prescott Valley Outdoor Center. I appreciate you coming in, buddy. Thanks for having me. Awesome.